0: Uh, hello everybody, great to see you whether uh, in person, whether watching online today, and welcome to our online audience. I know many of you have been just week by week by week just watching in in your homes, and we're so thankful that you are a part of all that's going on. Or maybe you're checking this out in one of our venues or on our Moon campus. Welcome to everybody who is checked in. So glad that you're here. In your pathway notes or on your app on the notes, you will find this flyer in there. This is our Give joy to the World Flyer. This is our emphasis throughout the month of December, and uh, we very much want to invite you to be a part of what is happening through this initiative. If you're not familiar, Um, Welcome. We're glad you're here for the first time because uh, if you've been around, you most definitely have heard about what Give Joy to the World is. This is our initiative to take clean water around the world and uh, bless people who are dying of diseases they don't need to die from, who are dying from the lack of clean drinking water. And we're making a difference. This is Pathways' tenth year of endeavoring to take clean water, and for our tenth year, we are actually moving our efforts from Africa to India because of the significance of the need there. We're going specifically into northern India, which is a very desperate region for water, for the gospel as well. And we're thankful that this is what our initiative is all about: taking clean water, but also taking the living water of Jesus Christ along with it, specifically in the form of planting churches where. Wherever a well is being placed in, uh, a house church is springing up there, connected in the name of Jesus Christ. We're excited for what is going on in that regard, because the need is great. Twenty percent of the world's children under the age, or who die under the age of five die in India. And much of that is connected to the lack of clean drinking water. And we are working to make a difference in that realm in this year. And we want to invite you to be a part of this. I would love to see us able to provide 10 wells in this season. Each of those wells is about $6,500 for a new well in India. Remember, a new church comes along with all of those. I would love to see that happen. Some people are saying, well, I just don't think that can happen. I believe that it can and I would love to challenge you to join in with me to see that come about. If you look on the backside of that flyer, or if you scroll down and look on the app, you can see this information on how you can join in the giving through the offering. If you're in person, you can just make sure you mark it clearly for Give Joy, and we'll see that it gets directed where it's going online. If you go onto our website, you can find the ways to find that. Just go to our website in the Give tab, and then select Give Joy, and then deliver it. You can drop it off at the church. You can send it through the mail. In the mail, it might arrive by 2022, the things they're saying these days about the mail, but uh, we're confident that it will arrive, and uh, we would encourage you to join in on that. And as you are prayerful about what God would have you to do in that regard, I'd also have you praying about how you might participate just as we wrap up our year here at pastor overall. There are so many wonderful things that have taken place that we've been able to jump in on in ministries, things that we didn't know were coming in this year. But here we are, and uh, God's been faithful, and you've been faithful, and we appreciate that very much. But the truth is that December is a very important month for us when it comes to tithes and offerings. A disproportionate amount of our receipts as a church come in in December. And uh, Honestly, just to be completely transparent, we don't know what this year is going to be like because this is a December unlike any other, at the end of a year unlike any other, and so we just want to ask you to be prayerful about how God would lead you. We, again, just want to say thank you for your generosity to this point, and we would just ask that you continue to lean into how God might lead you as we seek to finish strong and to finish up with all of the initiatives that are there and also be prepared for that which is coming, much of which we just don't know because the year ahead is going to be unusual just like the year gone by. So I just commend that to you to prayer and uh, respond as God would lead you. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the fact that you've been so abundantly faithful to us. And as we come to the end of this year, as we come into this or we continue on in this season of giving joy to the world, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the faithfulness of the people of Pathway who've allowed us to continue on with ministry in these days. And there's so much more to do. And we're so excited about the possibilities that are in front of us. But we recognize that these things are are funded through our faithfulness and our generosity. And Lord, I just pray that you would move in each of our hearts as we consider what it is that you would lead us to Lord, we do it to bring honor and glory to your name, to minister to the needs that are around us, and to touch lives for the gospel. And I pray that you would give us additional opportunity in the year to come. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Pray that you'd lead us now as we open your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. In our world today, people love to follow trends because as you follow trends you are able to see kind of where things are and and you get a little bit of a picture of where things are going. And so there are all sorts of different indexes or indices that are out there that you can look at that can help you to track where things are and how things are going. And uh, no doubt you are familiar with things, indexes like the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or the Nikkei. There are all sorts of different ones out there, but these indexes or indices aren't just in realms of financial matters, even though many of them are in those realms. Are you aware that there's also something which is called the rapture readiness index? I'm not making that up. It's really out there. It is, uh, it's a group of people who look at the things that are going on in the world around us and specifically things that they believe have apocalyptic significance. And then they assign a composite score to determine how close the rapture must be. And uh, the lowest score that's ever been recorded from this group, it was in 1993, it was 58. The score today is 168, or excuse me, 186. So it's changed significantly. It's way high. In fact, it's in the highest category that they assign, which they label, fasten your (laughs) seatbelts. So you can look that up if you want to. I wouldn't really recommend that you follow that and pay a ton of attention to that, but there is something else today. There's another index that's out there that I think is very interesting and is especially pertinent as we come to the topic that we're going to be addressing today. Actually, out there, there is a global peace index. This is a legitimate thing. A global peace index where they are measuring the level of peace that exists in our world today. Now, it might be a little bit discouraging to learn that things are on the decline. In fact, nine out of the last 12 years, the global peace index has indicated that our level of peace is going down. And that certainly is the case in 2020, which probably isn't all that much of a surprise to you. You probably would have guessed that. You're maybe not not even so surprised that it's been going down in general over the last 12 years. In fact, beyond that, the Global Peace Index. But I wonder if Anyone would want to venture a guess as to what region of the world is actually indicated to be sort of in the worst or at the bottom of the peace index. In other words, kind of as bad as it gets. Anybody want to venture a guess? I heard people speaking, but I didn't hear what you said. I'll just tell you, it is the Middle East. Probably not a big surprise to anybody, is it? But here's the thing that I find very interesting about that. It's the very region that Jesus came into when he entered into our world. The same Jesus that Isaiah speaks about. And you know what Isaiah tells us about this Jesus who came into the Middle East, which is the place that has the lowest global peace index? Isaiah tells us all about it. He says, for to us. A child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Jesus came into our world to be the Prince of Peace. So what's up with that? It seems as though Jesus didn't live up to his billing. If you take a look at the nature of peace that exists in our world today and the level of peace that there was when he came and the level of peace that there's been ever since in the middle. How is it that Jesus could be the Prince of Peace if we live in a world that we live in today? Today, what I want to think about with you is this idea of imagining peace. We're going to imagine peace. Imagine what peace looks like, if it's the real thing. What would that be, and where does it come from? We're going to imagine peace, what it would look like in our world if there really was peace on earth and mercy mild. I want to imagine peace, what it would look like, what the responsibility might be on us, and how we might be able to take that forward in a way that really makes a difference in the world that we live in. What's that peace all about? That's what we're going to be thinking about today. And to do that, we're going to take a hard look at what the status of peace really is, where it comes from, and how we might be able to advance it. Because I want us to imagine how we might take genuine peace forward. And where do we find it? That's a great place to start. In fact, that is where we're going to start. We're going to begin by talking about the search for peace. Because it's out there because we're having trouble finding it, but that doesn't mean that we're not looking for it. We indeed are, and there's some different areas where we're searching for peace, and I want to give these to you. The first of those sorts of areas where we're looking for peace is internal. Internal. See, this is so important because where we're lacking peace, we're always going to be feeling restless. We're always going to feel like there is something else out there. There's something that we're missing, and we're going to keep sort of pursuing it. We're going to keep going after it. Sometimes that's very good. It can be very good to feel that sort of lack of peace in an area where maybe we should be moving forward. And so the lack of peace actually can have the ability to light a fire under us to the place where we actually go and we get a decent job or we go back to school or we fix a relationship or maybe we start a new relationship with someone that is important. Any of those things. But the inherent internal pull to peace is so strong that it can't be found. If it can't be found down healthy avenues, there are plenty of unhealthy detours, alleys that we might go ahead and pursue because of this unsettling nature of peace. And wherever it's missing, we're going to be unsettled to the point where we're going to do something about it. We're going to try to do something to find it because it's this internal pull that is happening inside of us. You may very well know someone who you would have never thought would have gone after, like, substance abuse. They'd never have fallen into substance abuse or aberrant behavior or an immoral lifestyle or self-harm. But yet, you know them, and that's where they are. Because if we can't find the peace that we're looking for in a healthy way, we're going to continue to search for it. Maybe not even recognizing that it's peace that we're after. In fact, probably not. You're, you're never walking around town going, I've, got, I've just got to find more peace. But there's something that's going on that is stirring you up to the point where you can't just sit still, where you're going to have to find something to fill that void. And if it's not healthy, it'll be found in an unhealthy way. Now, those things I've mentioned aren't definitive signs of a lack of internal peace, but oftentimes there's a strong correlation. But at the end of the day, the lack of an internal peace is going to leave you in a state of disequilibrium. And you're going to go after it. And that can make us very vulnerable because we're going to find it somewhere. And if we don't happen upon a healthy realm, We'll find an unhealthy one in fact it could be that you're feeling unsettled and agitated and you and you really don't know why you might be just feeling in a, a sense of there's something wrong there's something else that has to happen i need to be moving forward into it and you don't recognize that really what is missing is this sense of peace of internal peace and so you go and you look for it in other realms you might think well man i just i, I just, maybe i just have to take a vacation Maybe I've got to get a new job. Maybe I've got to get a new house. Maybe I've got to get a new spouse. It it could be any of these things. And and we jump into it and we go after it and we're down the road on it. And maybe we wrap it up and it's like, well, that didn't do anything for me. I'm no better off than I was to begin with. The change didn't help at all. I had a friend who was a, a choir director, a church choir director years ago, and he had one particular person in his choir, a soprano, that he said he just couldn't abide. I mean, he liked the person, but he said she's loud and she's a very strong singer. The problem is she's always flat, except when she's sharp, but she's never on pitch. He said it's horrible. He described her tone as sounding a lot like a gaggle of geese in distress. That was his description. He said, The people in the choir, they just just hate it. I'm going to lose my choir member. I'm going to have to do something. And so he did. He sat her down, called her in, sat her down, and he was just brutally honest with her. Said she was going to have to leave the choir. She was devastated. Devastated. Left his office in tears, saying, The choir is the one thing I have. I'm going to miss it so desperately. And he felt really bad, but he knew, he knew he'd done the right thing. Until the next choir rehearsal, when it was time to bring in the sopranos and she was gone, but he brought them in and there was the same sound. He'd kicked the wrong person out of the choir. And in life, just as it is in that. Choir, There may be a need for a change, but it's important to understand the source of the problem. You see, the agitation that we feel might be driven through this lack of internal peace. We know we need something. We're just not quite sure what it is, and we don't identify it correctly. But until you know that, you're going to be applying perhaps the wrong solutions and end up with no solutions at all. But that won't keep you from searching because you'll never be settled until you find internal peace. None of us will be. It may just very well be that the thing that you think you're looking for isn't the thing that you need. It's something deeper inside. We need to imagine what internal peace really is all about. That's one thing we're searching for, internal peace. Another peace that we naturally desire is interpersonal peace. It's exhausting to be at odds with another person, isn't it? It's exhausting because there's always something going on in your mind. There's always this unsettled feeling that you tend to have. It's, it's horrible. It can ruin your work environment. Do you know that the majority reason why people or the reason that the majority of people quit their job is not because they don't like the job. It's not because they don't like what they're getting paid for the job. It's because they can't get along with their coworkers. It's because there's a lack of interpersonal peace. It's like, I can't, I can't abide this, and so I'm going to have to leave. It's a little harder to do that in the neighborhood if those are the people that you don't like, but I do know one family that picked up and moved across town because they didn't want to have to talk to their neighbor. It seems a little bit extreme, but interpersonal peace is that critical, or it can move us to act in all of these sorts of ways. Same thing is true in your house your spouse, or with your kids. When there's a lack of peace with your kids, parents get angry, children get resentful, spouses can get angry, and divorce happens all the time. Interpersonal peace is critically important between individuals, but it's also vitally important between groups of people. Interpersonal peace. If it's so de- It is so defeating and discouraging and harmful to our individual and social psyche to live with a lack of peace between groups of Americans, whether they're divided because of politics or because of race or because of ideology or because of masks. Culturally, we're being indoctrinated into a worldview that has division as a foundational tenet. Think about that. It's absolutely true where it once was the voice of the radical fringe, it's now becoming the language of the common man. And social media is not helping. Social media is an incubator of anti-peace, is what it is. And the result is interpersonal strife, a lack of interpersonal peace. So what are we searching for? Internal peace, interpersonal peace, one more. International Peace would be another, would be another. For most people, when they sing about peace on earth, when they send the Christmas greeting card that says peace on earth, what they're wishing one another is a peace that would overcome the wars that we see around us, that would overcome the strife and the hatred and the fighting that goes on all around our world. That typically is what we mean by peace on earth earth and that's certainly very appropriate there's no doubt about that unfortunately the world hasn't proven very good at achieving it see in the history of mankind there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of peace treaties that have been inked between different nations the problem is that virtually none of them have been kept and the reason is because virtually none of them were peace treaties. They were all ceasefire treaties, is what they were. That's what they ain't. Peace isn't a cessation of hostility, it's a change of heart, it's a unity of spirit. And that's not something that you accomplish at the armistice table. It has to go deeper than that. But that's not to say that it can't be accomplished. We've seen that the path of peace is certainly challenging, that there are a lot of potholes along the way. But there is a way. There is a way forward. So let's talk about that. Search for peace. It's been so elusive in so many circumstances, but we recognize that it's there. We recognize it's important. But how do we find it? Let's talk about the source of peace next, shall we? The source of peace. We've already seen that Isaiah announced about this topic that to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name will be called the Prince of Peace. He came to be the Prince of Peace. But again, we have to acknowledge as we look around us today that that peace just doesn't seem to be present. Quite the opposite. We need to ask ourselves about that. How effective has he really been at bringing that peace? Well, the Apostle Paul actually has something to add to this topic, and he jumps in, and we're going to take a look at something that he has to say in the New Testament as well, some 700 years after Isaiah gave us what he wrote. Find it in Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, if you'd like to flip over there, we're going to look at a few verses here out of Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Paul was writing in a context in the New Testament where there was a tremendous division between two different groups of people, and the people in the New Testament were also wondering about this Jesus who had come to be the Prince of Peace. Is he really able to accomplish what he supposedly is able to do? It's a big question. Because the strife that existed in the world of that time between these two groups was tremendous. The two groups were the Jews and the Gentiles. Basically, Gentiles are anybody who's not a Jew. These are the two different groups of people. They fiercely hated one another. In fact, there was an actual Jewish prayer that went, I thank God that I am not a West Virginian, that I am not a Gentile. Sorry, that's a different prayer. I thank God that I am not a Gentile. It was against Jewish law to associate with Gentiles. And if a Jew accidentally bumped up against a Gentile, they would go home and wash themselves. And not for 20 seconds while they're singing happy birthday twice. They would wash themselves ceremonially so that they could be clean because they'd been violated just by touching A Gentile. That's how bad things were. Yet despite all of that hatred and the opposition they had for one another, Jesus had been doing a work in their hearts, and Paul comes out and makes this declaration about the whole situation in verse 14 of Ephesians 2, which says, For he himself, for Jesus, is our peace. That's what Isaiah said. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The thought that these two groups could come together in the minds of the people who were in the two groups was unimaginable. It's something they would definitely have to see to believe. And guess what? They did. They got to see it. Right there in Ephesus where this letter is written to. They saw the Jews and the Gentiles come together as one in one church. They experienced peace with one another. And not just that, love and fellowship and unity and harmony of spirit. It was a beautiful thing to see these groups brought together. How'd that happen? At the end of verse 14 it says, because Christ broke down the dividing wall of hostility, which is a very interesting way to put it, because there actually was a wall of hostility, you might call it, there in Jerusalem, where there was the temple. The temple had a particular structure, and right on the inside, at the very center point, you know this, was the Holy of Holies, where the priest could go in once a year, and as you move out from there, you come to the holy place, and then, and then the court of the priests, and, and the court of Israel, and the court of the women. And as you got all the way out to the outside, you found the court of the Gentiles. They couldn't come in where all the Jews could come. And there was actually a wall that separated the court of the Gentiles from the place where all the Jews could go. And what Paul is saying is that Christ effectively, not literally, but effectively, broke down that wall so that the separation that used to exist no longer existed. He made these two groups as one. And I can hardly read those words without thinking about or picturing that in my mind without also picturing the sort of segregation that has gone on in our own world and the sort of dividing walls of hostility that have been erected, some of them quite literal, others figurative. Walls of hostility, walls of separation. But I also can't read this text without reading about the peace that comes from Christ that is also very much a possibility in our world. And something that we need to be pushing for and praying for to be sure. Just as he's brought two groups that were far apart in the past, he can do the same again today. We need to not stop. We need to press on. Never give up in this regard. Even unexpected peace can become a reality. In 1899, there was a tremendous battle that was going on, a border dispute between Argentina and Chile. And by Easter Sunday, 1900, the circumstance was so bad that war was deemed to be inevitable. It would start at any moment. But on that Easter Sunday, there was a priest in Argentina that preached the message of peace. And it just sort of took hold. In fact, so much so that a bishop in Chile got a hold of the message and preached it in Chile as well. And then many churches as well preached the same message, and pretty soon there is a movement afoot among the people to move not toward war but toward peace, and somewhat miraculously, peace was actually achieved. Then something wonderful happened. The cannons that they were going to use to fight one another were no longer needed for those purposes. So some were melted down from each side and fashioned into a statue of Christ. His right hand held up to bless the people and his left hand a cross. And on a 1,300-foot mountain, which was the area of this border dispute, that monument, that statue, was erected. And on the bottom, it says this, "...these mountains themselves shall fall and crumble to dust before the people of Chile and the Argentine Republic forget their solemn covenant sworn at the feet of Jesus." Beautiful. On the other side, it says this, For he himself in our, is our peace who made us one. That sound familiar? Should. That's Ephesians 2.14. That's our verse. They knew, they understood that it is Christ who can bring peace, a peace that we can't achieve on our own, that that's where it comes from. From. All right, so Paul understood that Christ is the one who's able to bring about peace. But how do we go about doing that? Well, we see that as we go on in the text. Look at it. Ephesians 2 continues, verse 15. By setting aside, he brings peace by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, now just one humanity in Christ. Thus, making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came into our world. Merry Christmas, everybody. And preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. There's a lot in there, but I just want to focus on two words. It comes there in verse 16 the cross. The key to breaking down the dividing wall of hostility and creating one humanity out of the two and attaining the sort of peace that is possible is the cross. That's the absolute essential. That's why Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came at Christmas. He came to take on flesh so that he might be an appropriate representative for you and for me as he goes to the cross and dies on behalf of humanity so that we might have a peace, so that we might have the ability to have our sins removed, which is the very thing that must happen in order for the barrier of hostility to be taken out of the way. In order for there to be... Peace. It had to happen. Peace required that high a price. Paul says in Colossians that Christ brought us to Himself by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Apart from the cross, there is no power to overcome sin, which is the ultimate barrier to peace. Sure, there can be peace treaties yes there can be anti-discrimination laws there can be fairness practices and it's all great but can only take us so far it's not going to take us to deep and abiding peace because those things don't change us at the level of the heart important sure absolutely can they change us no if there's going to be peace it's going to have to happen at the level of the heart for lasting change to come it has to involve the peacemaker not just the lawmaker that's because it's the peacemaker who gives us demonstration of what it means to sacrifice. It's the peacemaker who shows us how to look to the interests of others ahead of our own. It's only as we know the peacemaker that we can and will follow in his steps. It's the only place that peace is going to be found. See, friends, Isaiah wasn't wrong to announce Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Unfortunately, mankind has a pattern of turning their back on God, of turning their back on what was necessary, thinking that we can just do it ourselves through our own effort, through our own ingenuity. And we've proven how far that can take us, haven't we? We continue to be struggling to find peace today. If ever there was a demonstration of how inadequate we are in our own efforts to bring about peace, just look around you. See how well we've done on our own. But it is available. It's available for all who put their trust in Jesus as Savior. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, announcing the birth of Jesus there in Bethlehem, remember what they said? Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Those on whom His favor rests. He was announcing a peace to all who would experience His favor, or the eternal grace of God for salvation. That's what's essential. If you're going to find inner peace, if we're going to find interpersonal peace, If we ever have any hopes of international peace, this is a component that must be present. So, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with an opportunity and a responsibility to imagine peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. You might have been sitting here saying, Well, there's no way that that can happen. You're right, it surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense on many planes but it is possible. I think it is so awesome to know that there's a peace available to our community and to our nation and to our world that none of us have ever seen carried out in our lifetimes. We haven't seen it because we haven't leaned into it. It's a peace that can unite people who have been at odds. The real question isn't if we can detect it, but if we'll reflect it. Will we reflect it in our world? That's what I invite you to imagine in these days. Imagine living in the fullness of the peace of Christ, where you've been experiencing fear and anxiety, where you've been experiencing worry and agitation. Ask God to minister to your heart and come in faith, believing as we read. said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This sounds like a huge undertaking. If essential to experiencing peace in our world today is that the peace of Christ must rule in our hearts, then it seems like a huge undertaking, and it is. There's no doubt about that. But what has happened so often in circles of people who are in the place where they've experienced the favor of God, they've thought, oh, that's such a huge undertaking. There's no way that we can get there. And so we've never tried. Where there are pockets where we can see that the church has risen up and tried, there have been changes that have taken place. You might not be able to accomplish it on an international scale, but you most certainly can with that person across the street. Do you realize that the only demonstration of genuine peace that they have in the flesh is you? or another believer who might happen to be in their life, well, don't just assume that that other people is going to find your friend. Even if we can't affect it on a global scale as an individual, we can't affect it across the street. And as one person goes across the street and another across their street, pretty soon there's a synergy that starts to happen and it springs up and now it's not just a neighbor it's a a neighborhood, then it's a community, then it's a region, then it's a state. I believe it can happen. I believe it's God's desire that it would happen. The only question is, are we willing to imagine making that sort of difference? That's what I want to call you to. Not to go out and execute world peace tomorrow, but to go out and speak to your neighbor, to share the love of Christ in this season. We see so many people scurrying all around us, trying to find something. You know what that something is. It's the peace of Christ. They don't even know what it is. But as we prayerfully approach, as we prayerfully carry out and demonstrate and live out this peace, it's going to make a difference in the world in which we live. So live it, spread it, and we'll see the Jesus who came as Prince of Peace, we'll see the difference that it makes as it captures our hearts. On to capture the heart of others. Our Heavenly Father, forgive us for times, for lives that have been lived hoarding peace. Something perhaps that we've found, but we've just drawn it in. We've just been blessed to experience it for ourselves. And so we might be at a place where we're feeling an internal peace, but yet there are people around us who aren't finding it, who are searching for an interpersonal peace or searching for their own internal peace or a world that's looking for peace. We have the answer. Forgive us for times that we've just held on to it. May we imagine that peace capturing the hearts of others. May we imagine what it would look like for us to demonstrate that in our world and live it forward to your glory. We don't have it just to hold on to, but to release Father, open our eyes to a world around us that is so desperately searching for something they can't find. Convict us with the fact that we have the answer, that we might speak into the needs we see around us, that we'd engage with people who are struggling to find their way because we have the answer. Help us to imagine spreading that peace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.